This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. We're going to start off this week with Rogues Gallery. We'll hear their story from June 13th, 1946, titled The Corpse I Didn't Kill. After that, it's Richard Diamond, Private Detective, and the Thomas Jason case. His story from December 31st, 1949. The F.W. Fitch Company presents Dick Powell as Private Investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo and Fitch's shaving creams, presents Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rose in Rose's Gallery. Rogue speaking. You know, I'm a man who loves sunshine, in or out of orange juice. And the only place that has more sunshine for square inch than the Sahara Desert is the San Fernando Valley. San Fernando seems to be the place where everybody, including some of the healthiest gophers in the world, makes his home but me. I've withstood the blandishments of hundreds of brick-red real estate men who have offered me membership in that clan of plaid-shirted, tight blue jeans, high heel booted fraternity known as the San Fernando Valley Ranchers. <laughs> Ranchers. Yes, sir. The San Fernando Valley has ranches that are thicker than any place in the world. There are at least two on every acre. Well, anyway, I was driving around out there this Sunday evening. It was swimming weather, and I happened to remember that my friend Joe Dale had a half-acre spread in the neighborhood with a quarter-acre swimming pool. So I stopped at the antlers on the gate, rang the ship's bell hanging there, but nobody answered. I thought maybe Joe was in the pool in the rear, so I opened the door and walked in. Then I felt like walking out again. Because I saw Joe Dale lying there, making a red stain on the white living room rug. Very defunct. I walked over to him and gazed down at him. Then I heard the footsteps behind me and did a half turn in time to see oblivion whistling down on my head. Oh. Everything went red, white, and blue. And I was whirling like a top. Oh. It made me dizzy whirling like that. I couldn't stand the shrieking of the wind as it whistled past my ears. I concentrated on stopping so hard that I could hear my teeth gritting. But no go. Then I thought of you, Gore. And suddenly I heard his pleasant voice. <laughs> Come on, sheepy. Welcome home to Cloudy. Oh, oh, my head. You, Gar. Who is this ancient feather merchant with you? Well, Rogie, I warned you. This is her father. You mean the little dame's father? Is he talking about my daughter? Yes, sir. What's he doing with that gun? He couldn't pull the trigger with a tractor. Will you see, Chiefy? You're the young whippersnapper who's advising you, Gar. 
Oh, shut up. I don't feel good. Rookie, you're making things tough for me. Our father has a gun. I'm not going to stand for much more fooling around you, Carl. Oh, make him stop talking. His voice sounds like a grindstone on a grindstone. Now, look here, young fella. I'm a gentleman of the old school. And if my daughter is half-witted enough to want to marry this good-for-nothing you call... Oh, no, no. I'm not going to let my alter ego get married. Ugor can't get married. Oh, that's a mighty selfish way of looking at things, Rogie. Oh, look. Look, my head. I don't feel good. I came up here for a rest. Now, uh, we're going to have a serious talk, Mr. My daughter's happiness is a mighty important thing to me. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. I can't stand that silly voice of yours. But he's right, Rogie. You can't stand in the way of our happiness. It's not fair. It's only normal to want to get married. Now, uh, look at it from our point of view, Mr. Elk. Here's a couple of... I can't stand it. I'm getting out of here. Grab him. Come back here. When I came to, I was looking right in Joe Dale's face, which was inches from mine. The inside of my head was still whirling and clanking like a washing machine, but it didn't take me long to get back up to date. I remembered... I had dropped in at Joe Dale's house for a quick swim and found Joe stretched out on the living room floor shot. Then I remembered that swishing sound, which always means another bump on my head. And now my my feet felt like they were in diver's shoes as I got up and looked the situation over. The murder gun was lying there by the side of Joe's body, and there was a billfold on the floor by the door. Being the kind of a guy I am, I picked up the billfold first. It was Joe Dale's, and I put it in my pocket. Then I took my handkerchief and carefully picked up the gun. I was bending over Joe, gun in hand, when I heard a voice behind me. A beautiful dame had walked in on me and caught me bending over the corpse, gun in hand. She fainted. I ran over to her. Hey, hey, come out of it, lady. Lady, hey, c- come on, come on, oh, oh, come on, oh, Lord, everything happens to me. Come on, come out of it. Open your eyes. But she didn't. And while I was working on her, a man showed up at the open door. He took one look at the tableau and dived for the murder gun, which I dropped. He pointed the gun at my third vest button and said, Just stay right where you are. I know how to shoot this thing, and I'm holding you for the police. Your partner got away, but I'll Look, see Mr. Look, I, I, I am the police. I, I know who you are. You're Richard Rowe, the private investigator. You've been mixed up in plenty of shady deals before. What did you do to my wife? Is this your wife? Yes. What's the matter with her? Well, she came in, saw Joe Dale's body, and fainted. Terry. Terry, is that you? Yes, dear. Now, don't worry. Uh-oh. I'm here, and I'll take care of you. This, this man... He was standing over Joe's body with a gun in his hand when I came in. He's a killer, Perry. Be careful. Don't worry, dear. I have him covered. Stay right there, Rogue. I'm a nervous man. And I advise you not to move while I'm phoning the police. (laughs) 
We'll return to our story in just a moment. First, time was when heavy perfumed oils were considered the thing for pleasant-smelling hair. Now, of course, we know that the clean, delicate fragrance imparted to the hair by Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo is much more the modern idea of good grooming. This clear, golden liquid shampoo makes an abundance of creamy lather that does an efficient job of cleansing the hair. It removes dust, perspiration, oily film, and all unpleasant scalp odors. Leaves the hair with a gloriously fresh, clean feeling. And Fitch's saponified shampoo is made from mild coconut and pure vegetable oils. Thus, you can use it as often as you like, because Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo does not rob your hair of its natural oils. Always leaves it soft, lustrous, and manageable. Next time you're at your barber or beauty shop, ask for a professional application of Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo. Or buy an economical bottle at your drug or toilet goods counter. Look for the bottle with the bright yellow label. Now back to Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. I couldn't very well blame Perry Stevens or his wife for thinking I just put the kiss of death on Joe Dale... Mrs. Stevens came in and saw me bending over the body with a murder gun in my hand, promptly fainted. And so when Perry arrived, the floor was cluttered cluttered with bodies, and I was the only stranger. He picked up the killer's gun and held me at the point of it until the cops arrived. Lieutenant Urban of Homicide was in charge, as usual. He, uh, <laughs> he seemed a little bit discouraged with me. Well, Rogie? What's your story? Urban, it's a simple one. I just dropped in here to take a swim and I found Joe Dale dead. Why didn't you report the murder to homicide? I didn't have a chance. The killer was hiding here in the room. He slapped me silly and escaped while I was out. How do you think I got this cut on my head, Shaving? I never know about you. There were two of them, Lieutenant. I saw one of them run out from behind this house. A big man, red-haired, rough. This man here, this Richard Rogue, had an accomplice. When I came in, Mr. Rogue was bending over the body with a gun. That gun in his hand. I almost caught him in the act. How about it, Rogie? Well, I was bending over the body all right. I'd, I'd just come to. I was checking up. Why didn't you call homicide when you came to? I was going to, Urban. But this dame here walked in on me, screamed, fainted. I demand that you arrest this man. Oh, wait a minute. What were you doing here? I came over Joe to... Joe was an old friend. We just came over to take him to dinner. Don't try to implicate a couple of law-abiding people in your crime. You and your wife came together? Of course. Then how come she came in ahead of you? I hesitated when I saw that man run out from behind the house. Lieutenant, do I have to stand here and let this murderer cross-question me? Uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Stevens, uh, you and your husband uh, came here together? Yes. We had a dinner date with Joe. Did you see this man run away from the house? No, I came right straight inside. Okay. Look, Rogie, you'd better come down to headquarters with me right now. We've got some talking to do. Urban, Urban, I'll be down in an hour. I, uh, I want to go to the emergency hospital and have my head put back on. i got to go home and get a suit without these red polka dots. Then I'll be down. I demand that you put Rogue under arrest, Lieutenant. Now, take it easy, Mr. Stevens. I've had a little more experience with this sort of thing than you have. See you in an hour, Rogie. Be there. That gash on my head had cost me a lot of blood, and I was a little woozy as I left the ex-residence of the late Joe Dale. I drove turtle speed to the emergency hospital where the doc made a few insulting remarks about me getting scars on the scars on my forehead. And then I I went home. 
I walked in the door, and an arm went around my throat. A crooked elbow squeezed my Adam's apple until I choked. I felt a hand sneak into my inside breast pocket and lift that wallet I'd picked up on the floor beside Joe Dale's body. The elbow squeezed a little tighter, 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 and I had a horrifying sensation of bursting lungs. And then the elbow released me, and I fell to the floor to the accompaniment of departing footsteps. I was still lying there when Urban walked in through the open door. I got worried about you when you didn't show up, Rogie. What happened? I, uh, I don't know. I, uh... Oh, I guess I just got faint and flopped over here. I lost a lot of blood, you know. Better take care of yourself, Rogie. I don't want to lose you. Feel like talking? Oh, sure, sure, but I don't know anything to talk about. Maybe you'd like to talk about a murder. Well, uh... And tell me, did you, uh... Get a line on that red-headed guy that was seen leaving Joe's house? I've got a description out on him. Nothing's happened yet. How about Mr. and Mrs. Stevens? Check up on them? Yeah. Stevens is the personnel director for an airplane company. Pays his bills promptly, has money in the bank, lives within his income. And he's been a friend of Joe Dale's since college days. They're clean. That leaves you and a big red-headed guy in the finals. One of you killed Joe Dale. I don't think you did it, but... uh, I could get an indictment against you in 20 minutes for the evidence I have. No, but I didn't kill him. I didn't like him well enough. Well, I guess it's up to me to find the big red-headed guy, huh? You checked the gun? No soap. The number was filed off, and the only fingerprints on it were Stevens. And they got on it when he was holding you. Yeah, I was there when it happened, remember? Oh, brother. Brother, do I feel weary. Well, there's uh, one thing I'll swear to. Mrs. Stevens was not expecting to find Dale murdered. She really went out like a butler on Thursday night. You know, Rogie, I'm a cop. And the fact that you and I understand each other doesn't make any difference to the commissioner. Yeah, I know. Joe Dale was a pretty prominent character. Lots of connections. Now, the commissioner expects a quick pinch. And with our friends, the Stevens, down there at City Hall, swearing that they saw you standing over the body with a practically smoking gun in your hand, well... It looks like it's going to be you I put the arm on. Oh, but you know I didn't kill him, Urban. Why would I want to kill a guy like that? Yes, I know you didn't kill him, but the newspapers are on the old man. He's on the chief, and the chief's on me. I'm going to have to pinch you, Rogie. Ah, you're a a great pal, Urban. But look, if you pinch me, they'll never get a conviction. You know that you can't get a conviction without a motive. I know that, but you've made a lot of enemies around headquarters, Rogie. They see a chance to give you a bad time, and they don't want to miss it. You can see the spot I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, look, Urban. Give me 24 hours to get the guy that pulled the boom on Joe Dale. Just 24 hours, and I'll have him for you. Oh, that's whistling in the dark, Rogie. Yeah, with a ten whistle. But just give me a chance at it anyway. Maybe I'll be lucky. Okay. It'll probably put me back on a beat. But I'll play along with you. You've got 24 hours, Rogue. Then, don't make me come after you. Come in and give yourself up. The deal? Yeah, the deal. Oh, you're a good copper, but I, I know you're sticking your neck out like a turtle at feeding time, and believe me, I won't let you down. Okay, Rogue, I'll get out. Better get some sleep. You look awful. Oh, I can't afford the luxury of sleeping. I got work to do. Okay, Rogue, call me if you need me. I'll be around. Lots of luck. You'll need it. Hello? Hello, hello. It's Lieutenant Urban there. Just a minute. Hey, Urban. Yeah? For me? Yeah. Uh, he'll be right here. Hang on. Oh, mighty excited little man on the other end of this. Yeah? Hello. Urban speaking. 
Lieutenant Urban, this is Perry Stevens. Yeah, uh, and what do you want? That man, that red-headed man that I saw running away from Joe's house this afternoon. Yes, I, yes. He came here tonight to my house. I Well, I, what did you do? He came here to kill me, but I... I shot him. He's dead. Please come out at once. I'll be right there. Now, don't move a thing till I get there. Come on, Rogie. This puts that eight ball I was behind to over the corner pocket, doesn't it, Urban? Yeah, looks like Stevens wrapped his case up for us. And that makes me very happy. Oh, I wasn't looking forward to sweating it out in a jail of yours. No, I didn't have anything against that red-headed guy, but I'm never going to miss him. Well, it takes me off the spot, too, you know. Yeah, well, you don't have to be a hero in my corner. Oh, well, all's well that ends well, coin a phrase. It's uh, right down this next block here. Huh? Yeah. Stevens must have a lot of cabbage, big houses in this neighborhood. Yeah, I checked that. The wife's got money. Oh, there it is, that uh, two-story white shop. There's the precinct prowl car in front. The boys are on the job. Well, let's, let's get with it. Good evening, Lieutenant. Hello, Bauer. Medical examiner here yet? No, not yet. Precinct boys just got here. Thanks. Come on, Rogie. Well, this is quite a layout. Wife's got dough, huh? Yeah, and Uncle left her plenty about a year ago. Hmm. Makes it nice for Perry. Oh, what a mind. Yeah, you know, someday Betty Callahan and I are going to have a chicken ranch out here in this valley. Look, we're investigating a murder. That's serious business. Hello, boys. Where is he? Right in there, Lieutenant. Thanks. Well, Lieutenant, it's about time you were getting here. We came as fast as we could, Stevens. Now, suppose you tell me what happened. I'll be glad to. uh, My, uh... My wife and I got home tonight. We Where were just... is your wife? Is he any right to question me in that tone of voice, Lieutenant? Where is your wife? Why, the, the shock was too much for her. She's upstairs. Ah, don't blame her. She's had enough for today. Come on, what happened? You got him with that shotgun, eh? Yes. I was frightened, terribly frightened. And as soon as I came home, I got my shotgun. I, I hunt a little, you know, and I put it here beside my chair. It was just a hunch. Yeah? The, uh, the doorbell rang. My wife answered the door. We thought it was a neighbor. This red-headed man walked in. I recognized him at once. He was the man I'd seen run away from Joe's house. He had a gun. He was going to kill me. I suppose because I was the only eyewitness to the crime. Well, that makes sense. It certainly does. It's the truth. He turned to talk to my wife. I saw my chance. I shot him. There he is. Your murderer. I've never seen anybody killed before. Well, he sure did. Well... Ever seen him before? No, not that I know of. Hey, what are you doing, Rogie? Oh, I'm just trying to get some identification on the guy, that's all. Just take down. I thought... Uh-oh. What's the matter? Oh, oh, an alligator billfold. I didn't expect to see one on this guy. And hey, hey, Urban. This is Joe Dale's billfold. And it's full of dough. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, several hundred bucks in it. Yeah, that's the final piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of it. Well, there's the medical examiner, and the newspapers are about due to arrive. You've done a good night's work, Mr. Stevens. I want to thank you. Oh, I'm not a man of violence. I'll never be able to forget this night. There was something about that wallet that was as strange as the bride in black. Other identification on the body pegged the redhead as one Tom Church, recently of the Navy... Now a resident of the Crane Hotel. 
I watched for my chance to give Urban and his minions the slip and faded away. I went to police headquarters and charged into the identification bureau on a dead run. I handed the sergeant in charge the wallet and asked him to dust it for fingerprints. Then I waited. When the sergeant came back, his jaw was stuck out like the business end of a snowplow, and there were icicles in his voice. What's the deal, Rogie? What's the matter with you? All I ask you to do is to give me the identification on the fingerprints you found on the billfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know whose prints I found, you wise private creep, do you? Yours. Only yours. We'll return to our story in a moment. First, a word to the ladies. Did you ever make the remark that your hair never was manageable after a shampoo until it was time to wash it again? That's been the experience of many a woman. Well, you can have your hair immaculately clean, lustrous, and manageable, too. Try using Fitch's Saponified Coconut Oil Shampoo for your hair care. This shampoo is made from pure natural oils and leaves your hair soft and manageable even immediately after shampooing. Its creamy, fragrant lather never dries the hair, but cleanses gently, removing dirt, perspiration, and every trace of unpleasant scalp odors. Fitch's Saponified Shampoo brings out the gleaming natural color highlights in your hair, too, and leaves it clean and fragrant. A special patented rinsing agent contained right in the shampoo leaves your hair sparkling clean and free from any dull, soapy film. Try Fitch's Saponified Coconut Oil Shampoo the next time you want an extra special beauty treat for your hair. Then use it regularly to keep your hair soft, fragrant, and lovely. <laughs> Now back to Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. The news that the only fingerprints on that billfold were mine turned on the floodlights. And one of my hunches picked up a hammer and started pounding against my skull. I left the billfold there for Urban and took off for the Crane Hotel to check up on the red-headed guy named Tom Church. The hotel was a fourth-class flea bag on Main Street. The clerk took a look at my buzzer and answered my questions. That's right, that's right, Shorty, I'm the law. And I want some answers. Now tell me, how long has Tom Church been registered here? Tom Church, uh, three days. He came in three days ago. All right. Now let me see his phone calls. Oh, we don't give out phone calls. Now don't lip me. Give them to me before I jump over that counter and stand on you while I pick them up. Oh, okay, okay. You, You look like just the kind of guy that could do it. I'll get them for you. I checked the phone calls and found one of them had a message that was going to ring somebody's number for the surprise party. I thanked the clerk and drove to the valley. The pre-dawn gray made way for the sunshine just as I walked up the front walk at Dale's house. An elderly man walked around the next branch, pushing a lawnmower. Hey, uh, are you a policeman? That's right, yes. A horrible thing, that murder yesterday. Did you get the killer yet? Well, I, uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, were you home yesterday afternoon at the time of the killing? Yeah, I wasn't paying much attention, you know. I heard the shot, but I thought it was a backfire, uh, look, you know. Uh, uh, look, old-timer, I, I want you to tell me everything you saw and heard after that shot, will you? Well, you see, I was sitting in my living room reading the evening paper, you know, and I saw you drive up. You sure you're a policeman, mister? Why, yes, of course. Yes, well, I'd like to see your credentials. 
You know, you were the first man I saw enter there. All right. Uh, here's the dope on me. Here. Mm-hmm. The sheriff's office loves me. Mm-hmm. There it is. Satisfying? Oh. Oh, yes. Uh, I've heard of you, Mr. Rogue. Well, after you drove up, the lady arrived and... What do you want, Mr. Rogue? Mrs. Stevens, I'm coming in. I want to talk with you. No, come back later. I'm sorry. Go on in and sit down. What do you want? Some answers. Sit down. Now, where's your husband? Asleep. Nothing ever wakens him. All right, let's uh, get right to it, huh? What were you to Joe Dale? I don't know what you mean. Mrs. Stevens, you've been seeing Joe a lot, haven't you? I don't bother lying. I've got witnesses. You and Joe Dale were better friends than your husband knew, weren't you? Oh, no. I, I used to meet Joe once in a while to talk over investments he was making for me. Uh-huh. At his house in the afternoons, usually, huh? Yes. Mrs. Stevens, your husband killed Joe Dale. You lied when you said that the two of you had a dinner date with Joe last night. I just talked to your husband's secretary. He was supposed to be in San Francisco yesterday. No. Yes. But instead, he went out in the valley and killed Dale. I practically surprised him in the act. He got panicky, knocked me out, and ran. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. I can prove what I'm saying, Mrs. Stevens. You came up in your car alone. Your husband came up in a cab a few minutes later. He had to get back in to get that wallet and the gun to make the murder look like a robbery. He picked the gun up so there'd be a reason for his fingerprints on it. Then he went to my apartment and collected the wallet after choking me half to death. Are you with him, then? You're just making this up. You can't prove it. Mark, Mark. Don't say any more. It's a little late for that, Stevens. You've bungled the job all the way through. And you won't be needing that gun. Harry, don't. Don't shoot. Give me that gun, Stevens. You'd be crazy to get in a shooting contest with me. You stay right where you are, Rogue. I'm not afraid to shoot. Mars, they can't make you appear against me. That's the law. If you stay with me... I'm coming after that gun, Stevens. You stay where you are, Rogue. Mars. Mars, stop looking at me like that. Nobody knows anything about what I did, but Rogue and... No. No, Perry. You killed them. And I'm glad to get rid of you. You. What? You can't. Don't sell me out. I've been frightened to death ever since I've married to you. Take that gun away from him, Rogue. Take it away from him. Give me the gun, Stephen. Get away from me, Rogue. Marge, you're going back on me. You can't do that, Marge. We're in this thing together. Let me have that gun, Stephen. I should have shot you instead of him. Give me that gun or I'll break your arm off. Give it to me. Okay, Stevens, this is the end of Easy Street for you. (laughs) Well, that finished that case. Stevens went to the gas chamber on Marge's testimony, and Marge is still in prison on an accessory wrap. The red-headed kid, Tom Church, was an... Oh, he was an innocent victim. He'd been interviewed by Stevens for a job the day before... Stevens knew he had no relatives, no connections, so he decided to frame him for the murder of Joe Dale. He described Church to the police, then called him at his hotel and asked him to come to Stevens' home for an interview about a job. If Church had been in when the call came, I, uh, well, I, uh, I might have muffed the case. But he was out, and Stevens left his number for a callback. That, uh, well, I... Oh, that was luck, I guess, but, uh, I don't know, I... 
I think I would have solved the case anyway. Of course, I, uh, I didn't make a dime out of it. Oh, well, money can't buy happiness. But it can buy a lot of things that make unhappiness pleasant, can't it? Oh, you know what I mean. This is Dick Powell again, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed our story tonight. Ray Buffum wrote it. Lee Stevens composed and conducted the music and the Engelbach produced and directed. Next week, we have a story for you about a missing witness, a worried rogue, and an ambush that failed. Be with us then, will you? Thanks for listening, and now here's Jim Doyle. Be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when you will again hear Dick Powell as private investigator Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Laugh a while, let a song be as bad you spit shampoo. Don't despair, use your hands, save your hair, you spit Shampoo. After and between Fitch shampoos, you can keep your hair shining and manageable by using a few drops of Fitch's Ideal Hair Tonic every day. Fitch's Ideal Hair Tonic is not sticky or greasy, yet it gives your hair that well-groomed look. Portions of the following program are transcribed. Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. This the Diamond Detective Agency? Well, what does the sign on the door say? Yeah, the Diamond Detective Agency. And take a guess. Uh, are you Mr. Richard Diamond? It depends. How much does he owe you? Uh, uh, nothing. You just want to speak to him? I do. You come as a client? Yes, I do. You have a hundred a day in expenses? Yeah, I do. Then I now pronounce this man and client. Your name, please? Uh, my, my name is Thomas Jason. The stockbroker? Well, you better pay cash. Oh, I, I'm retired now, Mr. Diamond. And to end this uh, nonsense, here's your $100. Oh, thank you. Now, what's your trouble? Uh, it's Carol, uh, my adopted daughter. We adopted her when she was 12, uh, but my wife died shortly after. Frankly, Carol has been trouble ever since. And now? Uh, now, I, I'm afraid it is no longer a matter of delinquency. I, uh, well, there have been several incidents that make me suspect that she's trying to do away with me. Sweet girl. What's her reason? My money. In my will, she is my only heir. Why not change the will? I, I said I suspected her, but I'm not certain, Mr. Diamond. And you understand, it would be terrible to disinherit her if I am wrong about my suspicions. I, I, I simply must be sure before I change my will. Do you have any idea of your suspicion? Yes. Yes, yes. This morning I did speak to her. They mentioned the possibility of cutting her from my will. She flew into a rage, made several terrible threats. Oh, what do you want me to do? Well, sir, I want you to... Oh, excuse me. Diamond Detective Agency, we have the only corpse with the lie-down design. Oh, Rick, why don't you answer the phone right? Okay, Helen, baby. 
Diamond Detective Agency, Mr. Richard Diamond speaking. What? See, it throws you. Uh, uh, Mr. Diamond. Uh, honey, I'll see you tonight. I got a client. She? He. Good. Bye. Uh, you were saying, Mr. Jason, before I was so nicely interrupted... Yes, I, I want you to either prove my fears to be true or groundless. If I am right, I will change my will, of course. Where do I start? Uh, come to my house at three this afternoon. Here's the address. I'll introduce you to my stepdaughter, Carol, as a business acquaintance. After you've met and talked with her, I'll give you what details I have about her threats and actions. Okay, Mr. Jason, I'll be at your place at three this afternoon. Uh, good day, Mr. Diamond. I checked the time and found it to be nearly 12, so I beat it out to grab a bite of food before the noon rush began. Cafes in downtown Manhattan at lunchtime can only be compared to a can of sardines after all their relatives move in. When I had downed my daily bread, I went back to the office, did a little washing, and found myself with still time to kill. So being interested in my new client's problems and always liking a clear view of a new case, I dropped in at the 5th Precinct to see what Lieutenant Levison had on the Jason family. When I walked into the squad room, I found Sergeant Otis tilted back in his chair with his number 14s crossed on the desk in front of him. From the sounds he was making, he was either sleeping or gargling with molasses. Sergeant Otis. Oh, boy. Sergeant Otis. Mm-hmm. Otis, wake up. Oh, I... Oh, oh. Oh, it's you, Shamus. Patrol leader Diamond with his stout-hearted brownies who were shocked by your dreams. Shame on you. Hey, how'd you know I was dreaming about a dame? I peeked. Mm. You know, I think I'll tell the lieutenant that you were sleeping on the job. Well, oh, oh, no, please don't do that, Shamus. You start me pounding the beat again. Please don't tell him. Well, maybe I'll let you off the hook, but only if you tell Walt we're pals. That might stop him from giving me the devil about ribbing you. Pals? You mean friends? Buddies. Oh, no, I couldn't stand it. Hello, Walt. Okay, so where's the body? Nobody. You lost one? Now you stop that. Well, get you. All bad because I can't find a body for you. Oh, please, Rick. What do you want? I just wanted any dope you might have on the Thomas Jason family. Jason? Yeah, the broker. Oh, oh nothing on him, but plenty on his stepdaughter, Carol. Like what? Oh, she's a regular. Usually D&D, drunk driving, disturbing the peace. You want to see the file? Yeah, I might be worth a look. Uh, have my pal Otis bring it in. Sure, up. I... You what? My pal. What did you know? Otis and I are friends. <laughs> Is that why he tries to hide under the desk every time he sees you coming? Call him in. See for yourself. You think I won't? Otis, get the file on Carol Jason. Bring it in here. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant. <laughs> now we'll see. Friend, <laughs> that's a laugh. <laughs> that's a laugh yourself. You better be feeling good. Yeah, what do you mean by that? You'll see. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant, here's the file. I'll take it, Otis. Thank you very much. Sergeant Otis, you have an opportunity to do me a great favor. Please, and without profanity, tell me what you think of Rick. Oh, he's nice. What? You're turning blue, Walt. I'll turn blue if I want to. What did you do to Otis? Dope him? You heard him. He thinks I'm nice. We're pals, buddies. I heard him all right, but I wouldn't believe it on the stack of police manuals. Otis... I'll give you one chance. What's this all about? The shamus told you, Lieutenant. I think he's a swell like a great guy. Thank you, Otis, my uh, friend. Always kidding, but a good pal. Otis, do your feet ache? My feet? Why, no, Lieutenant. Well, they will. I'm sending you to a beat. 
A bait? Yes, in Yonkers. Oh, no! I went through the file on Carol Jason and found out Walt hadn't been kidding. She'd been picked up for everything from kicking dogs to slugging her boyfriend with a champagne bottle. Real nice girl. I left Walt trying to third degree the truth out of Otis and headed for what I hoped would be a nice, easy case. In a few minutes, I was in front of my client, Jason's house on East 66th Street. It turned out to be a modest little shack of some 30 rooms with a brownstone cover. I was ushered in to wait in the library for Thomas Jason. But I got a surprise. Mr. Diamond? Well... Now, I'll bet you're Carol. Your stepfather's told me so much about you. You're a friend of my stepfather's? Well, uh, you might say we have things in common. Where is he? I'm afraid you can't see him, Mr. Diamond. You see, he's become quite ill. Oh, ill so quickly? I talked to him a few hours ago. He's about as sickly as Paul Bunyan. Mr. Diamond, will you please leave? Not until you tell me what happened to Jason, where he is and why I can't see him. Get out. Do you hear me? Get out. Oh, put a cork in it, honey. Your father suspected trouble. Apparently, it came quicker than he thought. Me, I want to know all your little secrets. Just who are you? Policeman? Private policeman, dear. Your father hired me this morning. Well, I'm firing you this afternoon. Father's ill, and I will not allow him to be disturbed. He paid me for a day's work. Tomorrow you can fire me. Is he here? No. Now, will you get out or do I call the real police? Oh, maybe you'd better, dear. There's a smell around here that isn't a room full of roses. All right. If it's going to save trouble, I will tell you this much. Father had a serious mental condition. This afternoon, a couple of hours ago, he had an attack. And I was forced to have him taken to a place where he could be treated properly. With what? Embalming fluid? Why, you insulting... Where was he taken? Who's the doctor? I think I've answered all the questions I need to, Mr. Diamond. My actions are entirely legal. If you persist in your insinuations, I shall see that your license is revoked and that you are charged with defamation of character. Oh, get you. You've been reading up on the law, and I'll bet I know why. All right, dear. I'll leave now. Go on, and don't come back. Temper, temper, temper. I'm going, but we'll see each other again. Uh, hello, Pop. Got a minute? You reckon so, Misty? What's on your mind? Oh, questions. Like how long you've been out here mowing the lawn? Most of the day. Why? Did you uh, see Mr. Jason leave? Oh, sure. Left in an ambulance, he did. He was wearing a funny white coat with the arms tied in back. My fashion certainly changed. You didn't notice any name on the ambulance, did you? As a matter of fact, I did, mister. Oh, my, it was a silly name. About the silliest I've ever heard of. Oh, the name, Pop. What was it? Oh, don't be in such a dang rush. It was uh, Home Sweet Home Rest Home. (laughs) Ain't that silly? I don't think my client agrees with you. If he was taken there for a rest, it may be a permanent one. Next stop, a drugstore with a phone book. Said book gave me the address, and I was soon in Baychester, looking at something pretty swank in the way of nuthouses. Home Sweet Home was two acres of lawn, trees, and a square white blockhouse and all surrounded by 15 feet of spiked steel fencing. By this time, the setup was really beginning to smell, and I decided that maybe a shamus might not be welcome. So for a moment, I stood by the big gate debating how I could get in. The answer was fairly simple. I rang the bell. It caused a huge character wearing a white jacket with arms like hairy telephone poles to appear. Yeah? What can I do for you, mister? Now, let me in. Why? This is a rest home, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I want to rest. Oh, funny. Beat it. 
I want to speak to the doctor, King Kong. Is he in? Maybe, maybe not. Who wants him? I do. Who are you? Ah, uh, let's just say I'm a patient. You going to keep me out here dying of schizophrenia? Dr. Thorne is busy now. Come back later. Look, in one minute I start throwing fits. Think how that'll ruin your trade. Yeah, the doc wouldn't like that. Maybe you had better come in. Now, that's right neighborly of your friend. Wow. Nice place. For nuts? Please. I'm a patient, remember? So, if you're a nut, I should care. If you ain't, why should you? Now, that's a homely bit of philosophy. Tell me, what do you do here? Break skulls? I don't think I like you. And I'm a nurse. What a shock this will be to Dr. Kildare. I don't know him. Now, you wouldn't. His nurses are pretty. If he had to have you as a nurse, he'd quit medicine and take up playing the glockenspiel. Well, you're nuts. Wait here. I'll get the doctor. Yes, nurse. Dr. Thorne, you got a patient, I think. All right, Brasso. I am Dr. Thorne, sir. What can I do for you? He's nuts, Doc. Be quiet, Brasso. Oh, he's right, Doc. I, I'm nuttier than a squirrel's hideout. Well, I'm afraid I can be of no assistance, uh, Mr. Promise you won't tell? Is I promise? I am Sherlock Holmes. What? H-O-L. I can spell. I'm afraid you've come to the wrong place, Mr. Holmes. This is a private sanitarium, and certain procedures must be followed. I have money, I can pay, and I want to stay here. But, Mr. Holmes, you must be examined by a doctor and committed by a relative. You're a doctor? Examine me. But your relative, you, you can't commit yourself. Why not? I demand my rights. Oh, this is preposterous. This is not a hotel. You can't just come in and register. Tell me, you know, who's your doctor? Where is your home? Well, look, look. Tell you what, you let me stay here for the day and I'll tell you who my doctor is. And if you don't let me stay, I'll tell everyone what a bad place you have. Uh, you, uh, you said something about having um, money. Just how much money? I've got a mattress full. Can I stay? Well, perhaps it can be arranged. Though, of course, I must examine you. Of course. And there will be a certain um, fee, you understand? Mm, I'm beginning to. Tell me, Mr... Um, uh, stop! certainly are most annoying. Tell me, why do you want to stay here anyway? Well, I, I've got to stop the plot. The, the plot? You know about that? Sure. You plan to rub out fearless Fosdick, but I'm not going to let you. Oh, I see. Tell me, do you, uh, do you have any dreams? Well, of course. I have dreams about eating ice cream cones, and oh, what a mess they are. What's so messy about eating an ice cream cone? My mouth is always filled with BBs. BBs? For my air rifle, stupid. How else could I stand off the Indians? Well, what Indians? Well, the Indians who want to steal my ice cream cones. Now, why would Indians want your ice cream cones? Oh, they're mad about pistachio. You are crazy, aren't you? Brazo, take Mr... Um... Oh, never mind. Take him to observation room B, Brazo. I don't have time for... The examination now. Uh, wait, uh, can't I be with the other patients? I get lonely. Later, later. Come on, Sherlock. This way. Well, I was in, thanks to the good doctor not being able to pass up a possible easy buck. The big ape Brazo led me to a small room with bars on the window and a spring lock on the door. 
When he left, I made like a smart gumshoe and went after the lock with my penknife. Due to my early training in picking locks at the automat, I was out like Alabama. I found myself in a long hall with seven rooms, three on each side and one at the end. I knocked on every door. Nothing. Not even Bogart. The last one had to be Jason. Are you in there, Mr. Jason? Diamond. Oh, oh I am glad to hear your voice. Please, get, get me out of here. Now, just take it easy. I don't have a key, and this door has a padlock on it. But you must get me out. Sure, sure, but give me time. First, tell me what's the score. Why did they lock you up? Carol had it planned. She has paid Dr. Thorne to keep me here until I go crazy. She wants to have me judged legally insane so she can take the estate. Yeah, well, maybe I can put a few kinks in her plan. Wait, wait Diamond, where are you going? Uh, there's a phone in the doctor's office. If no one's there, I'll use it to get help. Yes, but what if you can't get to the phone? And I go out and get the Marines. If I can get by that ape man, that locked gate. Don't go away. Oh, there you are, Sherlock. Oh, don't pick on me. I was only three and a half years old. Yeah, I'm upset with you, Sherlock. You oughtn't to be running around the halls like this. Well, huh? That guy's got to have his constitutional, Brazo. Yeah, well, you're through with yours. The doc wants to examine you now. I've, I've, I've changed my mind. I, I don't think I'd I like it I said the doc wants you what the doc wants he gets. Well, bully for him, but this is one time you won't. I'm leaving. I don't want to break your arm, Sherlock. No? So you don't leave until the doc says so. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint him, but certain things are necessary, like this. Oh. Now, you shouldn't act like oh. that. I might get mad. Oh, my knuckles. What is your jaw made of, concrete? Yeah, come on, Sherlock. Or do you want to try again? Uh, no, thanks. One busted hand is enough. And don't try to run. The gate's locked. And if I have to catch you, <laughs> I'll fix your legs so you can't run again. Friendly little butcher, aren't you? Right in here, Sherlock. Doc is waiting. <laughs> here he is, Doc. Good. <clears throat> you can go back to the office, Brazo. I won't need you. Well, you seem to be well trained as a detective, Mr. Holmes. Do you always pick locks so easily? I do better with my erector set. Uh, but you needn't examine me further. I've changed my mind. You've changed your... She's on. First you demand in, now you want out. I just remembered I forgot to pick up my station wagon. But the Indians, you want me to help you keep them from stealing your ice cream cones, don't you? Uh, they already got them, and all my money, too. They're both gone. Your money? Then you don't have any money? Not a bolivar. Now may I go, Doctor? You're going to stay right here, Mr. Holmes. There's something peculiar about the way you've recovered from your illusions. Doc, uh, Miss Jason to see you. She's in your office. Very well, Brazo. Stay here and guard this man, whoever he is. Uh, Holmes, H-O-L... Will you shut up? And make sure he stays put this time, Brazo. I have some questions I want to ask him. He won't go in the place, Doc. You go ahead to the office. Well, Carol, this is a pleasant surprise. Come to visit Jason. Though and our plans will have to be changed. Changed? Something has come up that may cause an investigation of stepfather's illness. We can't afford to take a chance of that. But we can't let Jason go now. I had no such intentions. He must be taken care of tonight. Taken care of? But that's impossible. How could he I... He must be gotten rid of. What? Oh, no. No, I didn't bargain for murder. Look, Thorne, you're in and you stay in. I've paid you $10,000. Don't forget it. But why all this sudden rush to change our plan? Why can't a we A private detective came to see me this morning. He was hired by stepfather. I knew he had suspicions, but I didn't know they'd gone so far. A detective? Oh, he can't act legally, but he's a sort to cause trouble. Detective. Private detective. Sherlock Holmes. rambling about. I'm afraid we're in serious trouble. Come with me. What? Your private detective. I think he's already found Jason. Come on. Are you 
wouldn't like to earn a hundred bucks, would you, Brazo? No. It is you, Diamond. Uh-oh, fun's over. Thorne, you fool. How'd he get in here? He said he was a patient, Carol, and I swear he seemed crazy enough. He probably said he had money. Uh, you seem to understand each other, honey, but do you mind? I'd like to take Mr. Jason home For now. For a couple of extra dollars, you let him walk right in. Oh, Thorne, you're an idiot. I suppose he's found Jason and talked to him. Well, he did get out of his room and wander about. Oh, that's great. So now he knows the whole works. Uh, too bad, baby. Your plan is kaput. Not quite, Diamond. You've just talked yourself into real trouble. This gun says for you not to get any bright ideas. My IQ just dropped 30 points. Shut him up, Rizzo. Sure. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh! Now, stay with him while Thorne and I make arrangements. We won't be long. <laughs> Do I get the Yes, Rizzo, when we're ready. Come on, Thorne, I want to talk to Stepfather. <laughs> Brazo's fist was made of the same stuff as his jaw. By the time I came around, darkness had painted the window, and the room was full of shadow and Brazo. The big hulk was squatting a few feet away, paying no attention to me. So I waited till my mind was clear while I eased off my right shoe. The heel was leather with a steel plate in it. I could only hope it was harder than Brazo's skull. With the shoe in my hand behind me, I was ready. Only to have him catch me stirring. <laughs> Coming to, eh, Shamus? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, hand me my cigarettes, will you, Brazo? You need a smoke, eh? Oh. <laughs> sure. <sighs> where, where are they? Uh, fell out of my pocket, uh, over there behind you. Oh, where, where? I don't see you. <laughs> I say, that's not... Need another? <laughs> Stop that. Oh, come on, Buster, fall. <laughs> well, is little old Brazo finally getting sleepy? Happy New Year, Buster. Levinson, homicide. Walt, Rick, if you don't want me to be a customer of yours, get out to the home sweet home rest home fast. What? Hey, what kind of a gag is this now? It's no gag, believe me. My client and I are the blue plate specials and dinner is about to be served. The home sweet... Oh, it still sounds like a gag. Who'd call anything that? Now, don't argue, Walt. It's no joke. Okay, Rick. What's the address? 1820 Allerton Avenue, Baychester. And bring a blowtorch to cut an iron gauge. You may have to. All right. I'll be there in 30 minutes. But quicker, if you can. Stand right there, Diamond. Or I'll use this gun. Uh, good afternoon. I represent the sleep tight... Like I came just in time. Only now that you've fixed Rosso, you have to dig your own grave. Dig my own grave? Oh, honey, is this trip really necessary? Keep moving or I'll kill you right here. I, I move. Keep going. Over there behind those trees where Thorne and Jason are. Well, is Jason... He's alive, but not for long. Where's Brazo? I thought he was going to... Diamond knocked him out. I can dig their own graves. There, the shovels. Get busy. Carol, please, you may have the money. I swear... Shut up and dig. Carol, this is... Just abs- work the shovel. Can you imagine Richard Diamond, private detective, letting a sawed-off female make him dig his own grave? You can't? Well, she did. And for a good half hour. I stalled as long as I could to give Walt Levinson a chance to get there. That's enough. I said that's deep enough. Oh, please, I'm just started. You're finished. 
Jason, get into that hole with him. Uh, very well. I, I guess this is it, Diamond. I'm sorry to have dragged you in. Well, that's a horrible way to say it. There'll be a time for a last cigarette? No. Thorne, take this gun. What? Oh, no, I'm not going to kill them. Shut up and take this gun. Oh, don't do it, Thorne. Be a man about it. Here, Thorne. Don't be such a weakling. Two shots and it's over. No, it was your idea. I'm no murderer. a boy. Stick up for your rights. You shut up. Thorne, do you do the job or do I make you number three in that grave? You wouldn't dare. You, you need me. a boy, Thorne. Tell her. Go on, Thorne. Take the gun. No, I can't. I just can't. Not like this. You weakling. I'll do it myself. Now, turn around, Diamond. Oh, now, look, baby, this thing's getting out of hand. You shoot me and the law will be all over the place. Not until I've filled that grave in over you. I called them, baby. Oh, you're lying. Am I? Well, just turn around and take a look at that lovely big fat policeman standing over there by that tree. Oh, you really don't expect me to fall for an old stunt like that. Well, if you don't, you'll fall for something. It's your funeral. No, it isn't. It's yours. All right, lady, drop it. What? Why, you... Smarty. I'll kill you anyway. Carol. Rick, Rick, what the devil's going on here? What are you doing down there? I'm looking at the girl. I, I think you shot her pretty bad. Who are these two guys? Well, the guy with the cast in that knees is Doc Thorne. Better put the cuffs on him as an accessory. But you can't do this. I was the one that re- refused to shoot you. Oh, stop licking my hand. You can tell it to the precinct judge. Otis, snap the cuffs on him and take him out the car. Sure. Come on, you. Now, what about this other guy? The girl's stepfather. How do you feel, Mr. Jason? Sick, Mr. Diamond. How about the girl, Rick? Shall I call the ambulance? I don't know. Carol. Carol. Well, Rick? Ah, take your time, Walt. She's not with us. I gave Walt the story, then took Jason to his house. Stayed there long enough to brush the dirt off my clothes, wash my hands, and then I headed for a delayed date. At 975 Park Avenue, I found a big fireplace and a lovely redhead waiting for me. A redhead wearing a dress that was part green silk and part... Well... I'm the library, darling. Come on in. Uh, hello, Helen, baby. You sound like you found oil in the basement. What's with the cheer? Me? Isn't it always? I like you. Hmm, I like the way you say that. Looking up at me with those big green eyes. They're not green. They're hazel. Oh, are they? Hmm... Let me look closer. Uh, not until you sing for me. Sing? Oh, honey, I'm tired. I want to rest. No, you don't. No, over to the piano. No, Rick, not here. But, Helen, all I wanted to do was... I know, Rick. Oh, you've been using that Ouija board again. I don't want to sing. Now look at my eyes. Close range? Contact. I'll sing. That's better. Like, uh, you must have been a beautiful baby. I love it. You must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child When you were only starting to go to kindergarten I bet you drove the little boys wild And when it came to winning blue ribbons must have shown the other kids how I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize. I bet you made the cutest bow. Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby. Cause, baby, look at you now. Like that? That was wonderful, Rick. 
Come here. Mm. About time. Mm. Oh, Rick. Do you think you can do that and sing, too? Honey, when you look at me like that, I could kiss you, sing, and knit a whole sweater at the same time. Rick, could you? Want to try? A sweater will take years. I'll buy that. Come here, we'll start with the neck. Rick. Mm. 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 You know something? Mm, what? I may even knit you a whole suit. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, High Averback, Betty Moran, Howard McNear, Edwin Max, and Jay Novello. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Tonight's story was written by Herb Purdom and edited and directed by Blake Edwards. Portions were transcribed. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. How much is your life worth? Think about that for a minute. Is it worth a little care? Well, that's all that's needed to protect it on America's streets and highways. Only your careful driving and your acceptance of personal responsibility for your own life can guard you from the dangers of the road. The price that you may pay for carelessness is a high one, and it's a price that thousands upon thousands of accident victims have already paid. Their gamble with death behind the wheel is a stark warning, a warning that an accident can happen to you. Last year alone, some 32,000 persons were killed in traffic accidents, and well over a million others were injured. Smash-ups have averaged more than one a minute, every minute of the day and night. These are the facts of traffic dangers. As for the facts of traffic safety, well, they all boil down to just two facts. Careful driving by automobile owners, careful walking by pedestrians. So drive carefully, walk carefully. The care you take may save a life, and that life may be your own. Saturday night is packed with entertainment when you stay tuned to NBC's star lineup of shows. Each Saturday, make it a point to listen to NBC. You'll hear Hollywood Star Theater, Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences, Your Hit Parade, A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, The Judy Canova Show, Grand Old Opry, and Songs by Morton Downey. Now, stay tuned for Lionel Barrymore and Hollywood Star Theater on NBC. That's it for this episode of Case Closed. If you want to find more from Dick Powell in Rogue's Gallery or Richard Diamond, just visit the website relicradio.com. You'll also find thousands of other old-time radio episodes there, all the other podcasts, our shoutcast stream. If you'd like to help support Case Closed, you can visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the donate link on the website. We've got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts, so any amount is always appreciated and helpful. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed.